Welcome to episode 399 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, October 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, we have two World Series teams. It is set to begin on Tuesday. How excited are you for the uh, Cleveland Indians versus Chicago Cubs? I'm very excited because those are the two teams that I picked to make that before the season started. That's that's pretty dang nice there. Nicely done. Super psyched. Maybe the Lorenzo Cain thing didn't work out as well, but I picked my two World Series. Now, one of my colleagues, two of my colleagues, were in Vegas uh, for a conference in April and put down ten dollars on Cleveland winning the AL pennant. What? Um, the, yeah, that paid out nicely. Um, I've got to imagine, like so even as a, even as one of the favorites, you know they 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 were they were well thought of coming into the season. But holy cow, I mean that. I believe it was that, fourteen to one odds. I think they told me they each made one hundred and forty bucks. Hey. On a ten buck investment, that is nice. Yeah. And you know there's Cleveland diehards out there that are rolling with the you know, little bit uh fatter stacks putting hundred, five hundred, thousand, whatever on that. So that that's paid off really nice. And, uh, right. I can't imagine it wasn't like me. Hopefully it wasn't like me where I, I don't know I don't know how it is in your life, but every every time money comes in, it goes out. Uh oh. you know, I I my fantasy baseball winnings came in. Uh made uh six hundred bucks. And then Thursday night when I get home, uh, my garage door breaks. Something happens, I come in at 11 o'clock last night, or 11 o'clock Thursday night, and I'm closing the garage, and I hear this kaboom as I'm closing the the, the door to come in the house. And I was like, that didn't sound good. Ugh. I come out, and, and the spring is just like, thank God I wasn't in the garage. Thing may hit me. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, they're put a dent. The difference between finishing second and finishing third um, I'm glad I finished second because uh, it, it, it covered the it covered the door. Um, so I guess that kind of follows the rule of spending 100 percent of your winnings on your loved ones because right. we needed a garage. We needed, needed a garage the garage door, door to get and open. And I, closed. I don't do that myself. So yeah, it wasn't. I had them replace both springs um, in it. But yeah, so hopefully um, you know other people are like me. As soon as money comes in, it's like some cosmic gods watching. Oh, chase it. You just got it's, extra money. I'm gonna hit you with something else. It's usually my car for me. Hey, oh, my that's car true. It's 2003 at this point, and so it is definitely on the back end of its career. But I swear, every time I get that little influx that you're talking about, whatever it may be, oh, a noise here, oh, an air conditioning there, a tire there. It's just always a little something. But hey, it is better than having to pull it completely out of pocket. At least we are pumping some fantasy winnings. Uh, that can kind of offset that a little bit. So, you know, I'm glad you got the door fixed. Glad, glad that got all uh, taken care of. And maybe, maybe we'll have some picks. We're going to have some picks here at the end. And if they're successful picks, maybe we can figure out a way to, uh, you know, recoup some of those losses via via a little bit of a uh, little bit of a gamble on on the World Series. But we are going to yeah. do a World Series preview. We and then we'll make kinda... that money, and then we'll make that money, and then we'll lose it at poker at AFL. I was going to say something at <laughs> AFL will happen where we'll, you know, yeah, we'll lose it on on the 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 Paul Stars game that we play at the at the uh, All Star game, or or of course poker. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely definitely fi- find out a way to lose that. Now that's going to be just a week and a half away, and we're going to be in Arizona. If you're out in the area or going to be in the area, you really got to try to get there. Um, I don't know if you can still get into the conference. You have to check baseballhq.com/seminars. But even if you just come over, if you're in the surrounding area, we had a buddy was he in Tucson who drove over for the Rising mm-hmm. Stars game, got to hang out. If you're in the area and you can come out to a fall league game, I promise it's worth it. It's worth your time it's so much fun so many people that you know in the fantasy community will be there it's going to be a blast i'm super super excited for that jason before we get into the baseball 
you know on Sundays, folks know that have been listening to us for a while, we usually do like a football minute, and I'm not going to let it pass. There's no. no way. There's no way football minute is not happening this week because my beloved garbage Lions beat your beloved garbage Redskins in beloved garbage fashion. Now it that Matt was... Jones's beloved garbage. Is that not a perfect microcosm of a Redskins Lions? Like that, that's their... That game, first off, they both have similar games like that that are heart-wrenching on, you know, they'll boost you up at the very end and they'll take you down at the very end. Both of our teams play that way. So wasn't it perfect that your Redskins took the lead with like, what, a minute left, not even, and then the Lions drove right down and ended up winning? I think my favorite part, now not jamming it in your face, my actual favorite part of the W was that Skip Bayless called it with a tweet, uh, said, you know, Knew it, Kirk Cousins, great skins win before the Lions even touch oh, the ball in God. that final possession. That, that is my absolute uh, favorite part of it. Worst. Because that guy is such a clown to just the most epic proportions possible. And I know some of you think it's an act. I don't think it is. I think oh. he believes the tripe that he pedals. And I just loved seeing him so stupidly say that the game was over with a buck oh five left. Like, what NFL have you been watching for like the last decade to think no that kidding. a game is over with a minute five left? I mean, that's, you know, not an eternity or anything, but a lot of stuff happens. And so, so I it, it was pretty great. Half, pretty I watched great. the first half and listened to the second half um, in the car on the way to the airport. And I saw the, the final drive uh, at the airport bar. Um, yeah, that game was so stupid because Matt Jones has got butterfingers. He should play receiver for the Lions. Um, and fair enough, fair enough. You guys can't catch anything. I'm surprised nope. Bolden caught that ball. And then um, then when, when Jay Gruden decided to punt it from the Lions 40 and went punt to win, and the Lions went seven plays, 87 yards, right after the punt to win. And between the fumbles and, and punting to win in the first half on a fourth and four, when it was a three-three game, three nothing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like three nothing, losers, yeah, losers. Just lo- so much loser ball gets played uh, in the NFL with the coaching decisions that uh, you know. I-, I think our two teams definitely do more than their fair share of loser ball. And I was just glad that uh, the hot potato ended up in, in, in y'all's hand when it was all said and done and my Lions were able to pull pull off the W. Now both teams are 4-3. and three. Neither are worth a lick. One of them will probably make the playoffs and, and lose in some gut-wrenching way in the playoffs too. And that concludes Football Minute. We won't even talk about our fantasy teams today because both of our teams played and uh, it's hail to the Lions today. But let's talk some baseball, all right? We're going to lead off with our question of the day, Jason. In your opinion, does Cleveland's layoff, is Cleveland's layoff uh, before the World Series compared to the Cubs? Is that a factor? You know, without any data, not even looking at data, my theory is yes. I mean, well, because... And I, I guess I should say this for, before you answer. Positive or negative? A factor is nebulous, right? It could be either way. So is it a positive or negative factor? I imagine I where you're going to go. Okay. I think it's mostly a negative factor. I mean, the positive, you get some rest. Uh, when you're playing these guys, especially the way these managers are using the bullpen, where mm-hmm. you know, these guys are going multiple innings, getting that break um, has to has to benefit. But I mean, I, I think back, not even think back. I, you know, over dinner tonight, I'm sitting there reading Twitter, and and Danny Salazar, and we'll talk a little more about this later. He's being prepped to possibly pitch. You know, I guess he may be pitching Game Four. Could but pitch Game Four. They haven't yeah. pitching a simulated game today in Cleveland, and they're playing crowd noise. For him, like they're they're pumping music, they're bringing him into wild thing for major league, and they're playing crowd noise and like they're doing all of this. So, you know, 
why are they doing that? Well, I mean, they want to get him back, but he hasn't pitched in the game a little bit. But the fact that they're going that far to do that, I mean, you've been sitting around thinking about stuff for a few days, and they clinched, what, Wednesday? Yeah. They're going six days in between games. Yeah. And we think back to every now and then when we have a, a you know, a starting pitcher gets something, uh, gets a start banged, and then he comes back and he's got like on nine days rest and he, and he sucks coming out of that. And we usually mention something about that. I'm thinking there's like a particular Chris Sale start. Um, I know a couple of times with the Rays when they have one washed out. There's a Drew Smiley start where he got one washed out in Baltimore after an inning. And he was pissed about it because they never should have taken the inning. At the, the yeah, field. they should have never played and it. And then the next game, he comes out and gets absolutely blasted. And he says, "We discussed his, that." Yeah, he's been thrown out of his routine. And we've talked about these guys just being creatures of habit. I, I I do this on on the day after my start. I do this two days after. I have my throw day. I get my thirty five pitches in. Blah 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 blah. And now we're we're. We're changing this. I mean, their schedules are already screwed up during the postseason because they're playing these little two ga- these two game series or these three game series. Thankfully for Cleveland, the, the travel's been super easy. I mean, Absolutely. Cleveland to Toronto is a bus ride if they wanted to, um, and Cleveland to Chicago is not even that much of a stress. So travel wise, um, this shouldn't be too bad. But I just think it's a negative to have this much of a layoff between games. And I and I tend to agree, and so that's why I wanted to bring it up and look at it. Now my uh, feelings on it are anecdotal and they do come from from my beloved tigers the the last two world series that they were in they swept both alcs because when you're an amazing excellent tremendous team you crush the losers who come at you in the lcs but those big layoffs hurt them both times i really think that it played a role because i certainly don't think that you can really make much of a case that st louis in 2006 was a better team and at worst i think the best i think you could say that that san francisco team you know that they were they were equals i i again i certainly don't think that there's a, a a easy case or high quality case to be made that suggests that that san francisco team was better now I, I admit I'm a Tigers fan. I, you know, we, we said that out front, but I don't think I'm being overly biased here uh, to, to, to suggest that. Now, it was a 94-win Giants team. It was an 88-win Tigers team, but it was one of those ones that when you kind of looked at, at, at the team that they had, that pitching that they had with Verlander, Scherzer, uh, Porcello, and Fister, and even uh, Anibal Sanchez had come over in the second half of that year. So I think Fister might have even been in the bullpen at that point, or Porcello was. I mean, they had like really good pitching, and the offense, it was actually kind of confined to a handful of the spots, Fielder Cabrera, I want to say Austin Jackson that year, and maybe Alex Avila. It wasn't as deep of a lineup, but it was still a quality team. Point being, I thought they were better than 88-win team. They played that way throughout the playoffs. They were at worst, as good as that San Francisco team, and they got walloped. They absolutely mm-hmm. got walloped by both those clubs. And so that, that's kind of what I used as my jumping-off point. So I looked over these last 10 years at the World Series loser and, and their days off before the first game compared to the World Series winner. And, you know, looking at 20, starting from 2015, you got the Mets had five days off. KC had three. Uh, 2014, KC had six. San Francisco had four. 2013, St. Louis had four. Boston had three. Now, I'm not going to run down all of them. The Detroit ones, I will tell you, in 2012, it was five to one for days off. And then in 2006, it was six to one. All told, from, from 2015 to t- 2006, an average of five days off for the losing team and three days off for the winning team. I understand that doesn't sound like a lot, but those two days can be key. And of those 10 seasons... Only once 
did the World Series winner have more off days than the loser? And that was when Philly rolled and got six days off. And I think there was inclement weather that played a role. I know it did in yes, that World did. Series. Yes. But, but I think it might have even played in the LCSs. And Tampa Bay only had two days off. So there was a four-day disparity in favor of the World Series winner. And that was the only time, again, in the last 10 years that the World Series winner actually had more off days. So I, I, th- I think there, there is something here. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent locked in science because it's only 10 you know uh, 10 data points here and i we can't automatically say that just because they lost it was because of the time off but for all that we hear from players coaches managers everybody how much of a rhythm game it is and how you have got to be in that rhythm they don't love off days they might want a shorter season but i don't think that players want more off days they would just rather have those games lopped off the end of the season you got to get in the rhythm especially 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 for hitters, seeing that the fastball, having yourself geared up for the fastballs that you need to be geared up for, having those extra few days off, I think it plays a role, and I think that that hurts Cleveland here. So I am a little bit concerned on their end. They're going to end up with five days off to Chicago's two, and those disparities produce some of the more lopsided World Series that we've had uh, in these past 10 years. So Yeah, with the, uh, with the, with the Rays in 2008, there was a rainout, <clears throat> a game five, and which pushed it back a day. So and that that series went seven, and the weather was a factor during the ALCS. Whereas the Phillies didn't have to worry about that. They were they did go five, mm-hmm. uh, but they were done on the fifteenth with the Rays. That game seven was uh, October nineteenth, and then the World Series was scheduled for the twenty second. So yeah, there was a little bit of that, um, and. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about 2008 World Series anymore. No, uh, I, I hear you. So, like, uh, it, it's not it's not good memory for for any of our teams. There, it is weird that yours was the only team that actually had the the shorter layoff. But that that one was so weird too, with the weather that that played a role in the actual World Series too. But um, you know, you think about Colorado, that Colorado Rockies team. They lost four zero to Boston. They had a week off, seven days to mm-hmm. Boston's two games, and so just up and down. Uh, these last 10 years, and I could have gone deeper, but I was doing it by hand. And, and I just, I feel convinced that there, there's something of a factor. It doesn't mean that Cleveland's going to lose. The fact of it is that Chicago's probably a better team before any sort of off day. You could give them equal uh, days off, and, and it's easy to make a case that the Cubs are better. So maybe it's just that's the better team. But I don't like them having a layoff. But let's do tail of the tape, all right? Let's start with the starting pitchers, hit the relief. Uh, and then go go to hitting, and then we'll give picks. Okay, so let's start with the uh, the, the the well. Actually, I'm going to pull back on. I was going to say the most important guys, but they're just not anymore. They're important for sure. Starting starting pitchers are very much uh, an important piece to everything, but they're not the most important. I think we've seen that in this playoff as well as any other. Uh, 2011 started to show it. I think Tony La Russa had more relief innings than they had starter innings. We've seen it in cases. We know KC, what they've been doing. But I think this playoff at large has really shown that starters are important, but they're not the end-all, be-all, because most times they're not even going uh, beyond five innings. And a lot of the guys didn't even go five innings. So let's start with uh, what we think Cleveland's going to have. They're going to go with Kluber, Bauer, Tawin for the first three for sure. That fourth one is a question mark because of the aforementioned Salazar piece where they are working to try to get him back in time. If not, we think Ryan Merritt. I don't. I wouldn't want to do it just because the Cubs are so damn nasty against lefties. Mike Clevenger, they're, they're then? The, 
Yeah, I, th- I think they go Clevenger just because the, okay. the Cubs had the the second best. Only the Diamondbacks were better against lefties when you look at surprising um, weighted on base average or even runs created. So I I would think they try Clevenger and go Johnny Bullpen behind him. Okay, um, and, and see what happens. But I just would not th- want to throw up a lefty against against the Cubs. I mean, uh, you know, maybe they take Jason Hayward out, uh, who's just not looked good in this in this postseason. But this season. You know, yeah, you, but you really in the postseason. I mean, I just yeah. I think back to the the, the game against uh, when Kershaw beat them in Wrigley Field in Game Two. What the hell was he doing in there? I mean, uh, if, I think, you, if you have Alberto Amora, Albert Amora Jr. and you've got uh, Jorge Soler on that roster, why the hell yeah. is Jason Hayward? Was in that there you and I that Kershaw? discussed it, or was that it may have uh, been you and I? You know, and I because yeah, I, I remember okay. having this discussion. It, it it just didn't compute. I think that was last Sunday's game. And we, and we said, uh, what, what are they doing here? It just doesn't seem like the right move, especially with an Almora whose defense, uh, you know, plays well enough. Maybe not as, as well as Hayward, but a reasonable facsimile to where you're not taking that much of a hit. So that, that does surprise me. That's a great point that you make about the lefties for, for the Cubs, though, as it relates to Ryan Merritt, because he did pitch very well against Toronto. Um, and maybe well enough to still earn their earn their trust, even in the face of what the Cubs can do against lefties. But you're right; it might be Clevenger and bullpen would be maybe a better solution. Again, all of that is if Salazar can't go. Let's uh, talk yeah. Cubs. Yeah, go for it. They're going to start with Lester, and then it, we don't know yet, so I'm speculating uh, from this point on. Lester, Arietta, Hendricks, Lackey. Not mm-hmm. certain of that order. I think the only way it would flip maybe is Lackey, Hendricks. But I don't know why you don't need to give Hendricks any extra time. And, and that the two games that are coming up, plus the travel, will give him plenty of time. Might actually be an extra day as it is. So I think it's going to go Lester, Arietta, Hendricks. Um, obviously, they've got a solid four. When your four is Lackey, who's pitched like 25 playoff games, been in the World Series multiple times, you know, that, that's, a, that's a decided advantage on, on the back end there. But what about uh, the front end? Is that such an overwhelming advantage even in the face of the, the lower usage for starting pitchers to have Lester Arietta, comp- Lester Arietta Hendricks compared to Kluber, Bauer, Tomlin? Yeah, I think it's an advantage here for the Cubs. I mean, just off the top, with, you, with Lester being the only lefty in, this, in either rotation, they're probably going to take the mound. Um, Cleveland's league average against lefties. Both of these teams, it's, it's funny, against righties, they both have identical weighted on base average. They both have identical weighted runs created. I mean, just oh wow, per 328 and 113. They're the two of the best teams in the league against it. I mean, uh, yes, yeah, I'm sorry, weighted runs created plus 103 and then 328 weighted on base average against righty. So the, the exact same team. Walk rate uh, is within a point. Strikeout rate within a point. Everything. I mean, uh, but against lefties, the Cubs, again, are the second best team in the league and while the Indians have been league average. So I think that's a decided advantage. And then honestly, it's, you know, what Trevor Bauer shows up. I mean, sure. hopefully the finger thing is done. That was a joke. I mean, I don't even know how they let him take the mound like that. Well, uh, and then to, to your point, uh, sure, okay, put the finger aside. Let's let's say it's going to be good. He's still a volatile asset even when even when his, his appendages all work. Correct. I mean, you got guys that are going to work counts in that lineup like Rizzo and – uh, especially Zobras, those types of guys, uh, and even Bauer Hayward. That's all he's it. got going yeah, right now. Yeah, and, and that's, so that's no, I don't, I don't like this. Is a, a, a decided advantage for the uh, for the Cubs, in my opinion. That said, I thought it was a decided advantage uh, for. I thought Toronto had the edge in the in this ALCS. Well, I and, and and they did that, on paper. Yeah. 
That was the I best. Thought, I don't think I don't think Cleveland's had the advantage in the starting pitching yet in the series. Yet here they are. I I, I agree. And and you look at um, you know even against a team like the Red Sox. Uh, who you know are not known for their starting pitching? That's some something that we kind of harped on. Even in, but in a five game set with the injuries that the that Cleveland has had, it ended up being an advantage for for the, for the Red Sox. And, and through each of these first two series, they've been again decidedly disadvantaged, and it hasn't hurt them. And that's chiefly because of what we're going to talk about next: the bullpens. And let's start with Cleveland's because it's, it has been one of the biggest stories of this entire uh, postseason for sure. Obviously, Andrew Miller is kind of the, the front man there. If you look, he has the second most innings on the team uh, in the postseason. It's 18 and a third for Kluber, easily the tops, but then 11 and two thirds for Andrew Miller compared to 10 and two thirds for their next best starter so far, Josh Tomlin. So you're looking at Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, and, and Brian Shaw is, is their three-headed monster. They have been absolutely fantastic. Again, I know and understand why Andrew Miller is getting all the love, but you can't sleep on what Allen and Shaw have done. And right. then you got a guy like Dan Otero who had a really quality season. He's, he's, I think he had like one mediocre outing. Like he gave up a run in, uh, against Toronto. But that's it. Uh, he's been solid too, and that's kind of as deep as it goes. If they needed with, with the Johnny bullpen game that they had for Bauer, they had to turn to Clevenger, Manship, and McAllister. But for the most part, they've been relying on those four guys. T- tell me a little bit of, uh, of your feelings on the Cleveland bullpen. I think this is where they have the advantage, um, albeit slight. I just really—it's been shut down, shut down city. As when those guys have been able to come in the games, they can they can mix and match. Um, we know that. And, and this is the case for both managers. I mean, we look at both these teams are quality teams. It would have been nice if, if Cleveland was full strength, uh, you <sighs> know, and had, so and had Gomes and, and had Carrasco. This would have been – it's still going to be – I still think it's going to be a very good series. Um, but it would have been amazing if they would have been full strength. Um, but then we've got two managers that just know how to get it done and, and have no problem doing – you know, bringing guys in in the fifth or sixth inning and, and you know, eschewing the save and, and looking at leverage. And so I'm looking the win, forward too. To it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this whole thing plays out. The win uh, meaning the starter win, I should say. Obviously, they're, they're yeah. going for wins. No, I, they don't. I like wanted Lackey, to clarify. If, Lackey, if Lackey's struggling, yeah, they're going to – I can see them going, yeah, we're taking you out. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, because Madden's not afraid of his yelling. He can no. you can yell. You can be mad, but you don't have it tonight. And so I'm going to go to, you know, uh, let, let's look at the guys that they've got there. So their top three guys, of course, for innings are their starters, Lester, Hendricks, and Arietta. But then you look like a Mike Montgomery who would probably piggyback off of a lackey at that point if lackey were struggling. And it goes back to your point about versus lefties. It almost gives them that nice bullet uh, to hold if if one of their starters, particularly lackey, I think he's the most subject to uh, falling, falling apart a little bit. Uh, if he falls off, boom, you go to Montgomery, you can probably get three innings out of him or a Travis Wood, who is again a lefty. Then the back end, you're talking about Chapman, Pedro Strope, Hector Rondon, and even somebody like a Carl Edwards Jr., uh, who's been who's been really impressive as well uh, throughout the season. He hasn't pitched that uh, too much in the bull or in the bullpen during the playoffs, but he's a really live arm that they have too. So they they've got some he makes pretty you good. Look fat. Uh, yes, he does. He does. He's, he's wiry. Let's, let's let's call him wiry. Um, I, I I love it. I love it. I think it's a tremendous body type to have to be an amazing human being. Chris Sale uh, has it as well, and and it's, it it breeds success to have a wiry wiry frame. So good for Carl Edwards Jr. He's he's a little wiry. bit shorter though too. Um, so you know, not as flashy of a bullpen for this potential post or for this postseason so far. 
but still a good one for sure, right? Um, what do you think? What do you think of this bullpen that's kind of lefty loaded with Montgomery, Chapman, and Wood? I I, I like it quite a bit. And when you look at, you can bring those guys. You bring uh, Montgomery. You could bring in Wood. You can use them to uh, face Naquin. You can uh, use them to face. Uh, Kipness, you can do, do those kinds of things, which which will help. And then you know you can bring Chapman in for multiple innings um, if you need to. Overall, uh, it's gonna. I just I think really the key is these bullpens are slow. You know, you know Chapman and Miller kind of negate one another. Sure. Uh, you know, and then I still think it's evenly matched. While while Chicago's bullpen may be a little better known, I think Cleveland's gotten attention here uh, in the postseason. The way that the way that Shaw's come in, the way that Allen's come in the way that Otero's come in, uh, those types of things. And um, I think it really comes down to utilization, which manager slips up first. Who yeah, leaves a gonna... guy in one too long, that type of thing, because they've, they've got equal toolboxes here. It's, it's going to be utilization and how much, um, you know, I get, can they get to them? I mean, that's kind of well, the yeah, thing. That, Cleveland, Cleveland's been Cleveland's getting these issue. leads and they've been leveraging it. What yes. happens, you know, but then the Bowers, the Bauer games showed okay. I mean, basically, let's let's say their pitcher got bounced out early, and they were able to handle that one. You know, that one worked out for them. And, it's weird um, that that was the second time in like the last month that they've done that. When Carrasco got hurt, when he was hit, it yep. was it was first batter of the game. Ian Kinsler. It's a game I was uh, I was watching, and they had to go full Johnny bullpen that day, and and then it went ten innings. I believe. And it was a one nothing W. So they've done this twice now. They pulled this rabbit out of their hat to not only where they pulled the win, but they, they didn't really relent at all. Like I said, it was a shutout for them against the Tigers. And then it was what uh, one or two runs were scored for, for Toronto, but they had a big enough lead to where it didn't matter. So, you know, I'm not even that scared if they have to do it again. Zach McAllister, Jeff Manship, those are not bad fill-ins for two innings a, a pop if especially if you tell them listen you're going to gas it out zach McAllister has some heat so he can actually kind of bring it a little bit manship not, does not manship does not definitely not he's junk junk baller for sure uh but McAllister, if if you talk about a bauer bad day versus a McAllister good day that that those are those are split nicely like that McAllister's much better on his good day than than bauer is on on his average to poor day and right. that's not always the case with a long reliever. So I, I don't even necessarily think that they're in big trouble if Bauer can't really go for them. I do worry about Tomlin, though. And I know he pitched that brilliant game against Boston. It was awesome. Hats off because I've been doubting him all year. I'm still going to stay worried, though. 1.9 homers, folks. There's just no way I'm not going to continue to be concerned about that, especially with a team that can leave the yard like like the Cubs. There's just no way you're going to get me to kind of slough that off. And so I'm still going to be worried about what Josh Tomlin can do, especially in a place like Wrigley. And, well, and, and, the good news is he shouldn't have to. Well, yeah, he will. I'm sorry. You're right. He will be pitching the Wrigley. I forgot the series starts in Cleveland. Yeah, Oops. so they're, they're going to give him game three there in Wrigley. And, and so I, I do worry about that one almost more than Bauer, um, outside, of course, Bauer's fingers. So we're going to give Cleveland a little bit of an advantage here on the bullpens? Or, or are you going to call it flat draw? I'm going to call it a draw. I am going to give the little edge to Cleveland for the one thing. I, they've been open to using Chapman a little bit more. He's kind of come out of his comfort zone, but I still think that Miller gets a little... When you look at him on paper, the skills-wise, yeah, they're pretty equal. But Miller's utilization gives him a little bit of an edge because they will bring him in even earlier, and, and they will go just... I mean, 
he'll, he'll go deep. I mean, he'll go, he'll go three innings if he has to, or two plus. Uh, so I'm going to give a slight edge to Cleveland there, although I do worry about how much they might have to leverage it, especially if things go haywire early. If Kluber doesn't go seven, uh, it's almost it, it almost puts the the bullpen behind the eight ball for the entire rest of the series, and that's a little bit alarming. But let's talk hitting. This is an interesting one too because this goes the other way. Where uh, we mentioned that Cleveland's relievers are getting the pub, and, and and they're the ones that we're talking about, even though Chicago's is is very good and, and right there with them. Goes the other way with the hitting. You know all the Chicago hitters. You know what they can do. They they get the love. We're talking Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez are kind of the rising stars, and we already know Bryant, Rizzo, Fowler, Addison Russell. So everyone kind of knows all their guys. But Cleveland, it's a little bit more of a, okay, I kind of know those guys, and a lot of baseball fans know them, folks listening to this. But when you're talking about more of a casual fan, they don't know a ton of these guys. You're going to need to know Francisco Lindor. That dude's about to be a superstar. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez had an excellent season. He is. Wait, that's, I, I'll, I'll fully <laughs> agree to that. I'll fully agree to that. Uh, Mike Napoli is a guy who, you know, you might know from previous playoffs but again not some household superstar and even the weird thing was you look up and down what they've been doing they're not even hitting that well they're getting runs it's it's kind of timely hitting their sequencing has been positive because outside of brandon guyer guy you're familiar with uh, a lefty killer and lindor nobody else is really hitting that well yeah they in got fact, out hitting that toronto series you yeah. look at the stats i mean not that toronto hit but Cleveland didn't hit Cleveland anything. Cleveland just didn't it just, hit. It's just when they got the hits is what it was. I mean, they had yep. a, like a 170 average throughout that season. Isn't that crazy? So let, let's let's go deeper on them first. What, what do you like about Cleveland's offense, and what are you concerned about as they uh, square off against this Cubs rotation? Oh, I think one of the things I like about Cleveland's offense, and, and I think it's one of the reasons why they were over they were able to overcome terrible hitting. I mean, let's. They're hitting 208 in the postseason. Mm-hmm. They're also holding their opposition to 206. It's but, a 635 but, OPS. Yeah. But again, opposition 581. One of the things that's not showing up is their team speed. They only have three steals, and one of them's Mike Napoli. All right, <laughs> one of them's steal. Mike Napoli. It's crazy. But the thing is, they're really good at first to third, second to home, first to right. home, taking those extra bases. And you saw it. You saw them challenge Toronto. Uh, in the in that series, they were really uh, Jose Bautista's spaghetti arm. They were uh, taking the extra bases on him at will. And that's um, everybody. That is the Napoli. That is the Carlos Santana. That yes. is even like a Roberto Perez. All those guys do it in addition to the guys that you would expect. Lindor, Crisp, Naquin, Rajay Davis, who do have speed and show it on the base paths. Uh, Steals-wise, those other guys, the maybe slower ones, you don't have to be fast to be a good base runner. That's that's kind of one of those still still hidden secrets of baseball. It certainly helps to have speed to burn, but even if you don't, you can still be a very smart, quality base runner. Right, and then, I mean the other thing that I think when you look at that is Cubs only threw out twenty two percent of stolen bases this year. I mean one they they one thirty three successful, thirty eight caught. Got the Cubs defense this year i mean some of that's going to happen when you play in a division where billy hamilton's running against you <laughs> and jonathan vr and Starling Marte. Marte. yeah the three you know, best base stealers right that's going to happen but they, that, that, that said they still give up a lot of stolen bases miguel montero was not a great thrower david and ross is not we got uh, to talk game one starter 
John he's Lester. gonna be back. Yeah, he's gonna be back Always. there, and you got John Lester, and I would I would fully expect the runners if they can get on uh, to dance and and make it a case. So that's where I, and this is where I give this is where I give Cleveland an edge offensively. This is where they can kind of make up that ground about being bad against uh, being league average rather not bad but being league average against lefty is they have to win the battle on the bases. You know, take advantage, really push the envelope for the stolen bases, take the extra base, be super aggressive on the base pass because you know Chicago is going to. Um, but I, but Chicago has the youth, but then you look at Cleveland and Raja Davis, you know, he just does this every year. Coco Crisp is a great base runner. We know that Kipnis can do it. Lindor can do it. So I give Cleveland the edge here because okay. – I, you know, especially behind the plate, Chicago, Cleveland, it, they have to. Um, they need to be taking, they need to be attempting two to three stolen bases a game, get that extra 90 feet because you get the second and half this lineup can score on a single. Uh, you look at the outfield arms uh, for the Cubs, none of them truly really stand out to me. They're not, I may hoses. be wrong on this, they're, they're, but they still seem to be average, but there's no. Uh, there's no Jose Bautista out there who literally needed a cutoff guy from right field to get the second base, <laughs> and that's how bad it was. Now, the, conversely, when if Coco Crisp is out there, I, Oof, the Cubs even I do the same thing. Him. Coco Crisp looks like Johnny Damon throwing these days. It's bad. Actually, Johnny um, Damon actually makes fun of him. That's how it has bad to. it is. So those types of things, and that's what I really, again, uh, circling back, this is where I think this series gets decided. Honestly, is who bases. wins the battle on the bases? Because like yeah, you know, again, Cleveland can be aggressive. They stole a ton of bases this year. If they want to push the envelope, they can push the envelope. It's there. If they can get on base, the opportunities will be there for them. Let me hit um, you with something. Um, second best ca- caught stealing rate was Cleveland. Now, Jan Gomes definitely a part of that, but Roberto Perez went fifty percent. He's and really the, good. The league average is only 28%, and the team went 39%. So Roberto Perez was adding to that as much as anybody. He's going to be behind the dish this entire series. I mean, Chicago, 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 Cleveland stole more than double the amount of bases Chicago did this year. But mm-hmm. you know, when you're playing for the three-run home run, um, you know, Madden has traditionally been a very aggressive manager. But when you look at the way that lineup is, they're built to get on base and hit and get extra base hits to drive in the runners. Mm-hmm. When back in Madden's day, when he was super aggressive, is because they they had like one guy. Yeah, because you only guys. had Longoria. And they Zobris had Longoria and Pena. Well, they had, they oh, had yeah, two Pena guys that get, you know, those guys that get the long ball. So yeah. you had the guys that get on base and move them around and run. Use Crawford to wreak havoc and Upton uh, to wreak havoc. Bartlett. Those types of things. Yeah. And so, um, but you look at Cleveland, 134 stolen bases this year to the Cubs, 66. Um, and you mentioned the way Perez can throw out runners. Um, also, a, a terrific pitch framer. We know Montero is good, um, and and Ross could do it. But Perez has been excellent in this series. I mean, two if, other, uh, just excellent. Two other aspects, Cubs allowed second most stolen bases, 133 with that 22% rate, and their 80 wild pitches were fourth most. You don't want to give this Cleveland team free bases. That's something else. You know, they can take advantage of balls in the dirt or, or, or wild pitches, and they get those extra bases that way, and that's how you can hit the way they hit and, and still end up in the World Series here, obviously along with good pitching. Let's talk power then. Let's talk, let's talk the actual hitting here, getting the knocks, getting the, getting the home runs. I imagine you're favoring the Cubs here. 
tell us a little bit about uh, the power breakdown of these two lineups. Yeah, I'm, I'm favoring the Cubs just because of the uh, the, the Tomlin matchup. Um, you know, I, I yeah. like Kluber's ability to neutralize the lineup. Uh, I'm not a fan of Tomlin doing it. Really, not a fan of, of Bauer doing it. I think Salazar could be a good matchup for, for them uh, as well. But um, you know, when you look at Rizzo's is getting hot. You watch the last couple of at bats. Rizzo and Russell. That's yeah, scary. Russell especially. Uh, but Rizzo just—it's so impressive to watch him hit. And it's like I'm gonna crowd the plate, and if I come, if you come in on me and don't get it far enough, boom. And if you know, basically outside pitches or pitches down the middle for him, and he, and he's starting to get there to it. So I mean, the, one of the quiet things is Bryant really hasn't. Uh, you know, taken off in this series. He's gotten a couple of doubles and that kind of thing, but you would expect more noise there. And Baez has just been you know, out of his mind, but he's been swinging at pitches out of his mind. And one of the things that really <laughs> stood out to me, there was that first or second at bat against Kershaw the other night. He was fouling off 95 at his eyes, and he was fouling it off straight back, which yep. means he was he on just it. Missed it. He just missed it, and it's like, and Kershaw was was not even trying to speed his bat up. He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I was waiting for the curve. I was waiting for the slider. I was waiting for something. He just kept coming at him with high heat, and he kept swinging at it. Um, that's that's the crazy thing. But the table setters in the lineup, when you look at Zobrist and Hayward, they've done nothing this postseason. And that's supposed to be their job to, you know, to be the guys that get on base in different parts of that lineup, and they're and they're not getting on base. Um, whereas we've already talked about Cleveland struggles, um, just uh, they're they're getting the timely hits. But you look up and down that lineup, Lindor, that's it. He's the only guy. And Geyer versus lefties, Geyer's only going to play in one game of the series. He's gonna he's gonna start game one, and, and then, then he's gonna come hit. in. He's gonna pinch hit uh, and force Madden to either pull Wood. Um, or Montgomery to bring a righty in. That's what Geyer's role is. So he's kind and, of neutralizing this. Try to get a try to get a knock off a of Chapman. It, he could he could have one at bat that could turn everything though, right? You can imagine the, yeah. the key ninth inning at bat against Chapman at some point, where they got a runner on second, and if he can drive him in, Geyer could be the hero. You could totally see that setting up that way. We'll see if he's able to get it done. That's a tall order for anybody. I don't care how much you crush lefties, but that's going to kind of be. Uh, his best opportunity to make a high impact because, like you said, he's only going to be starting against Lester. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a bench roll for him. How do you feel about these two benches? Um, they, obviously, they mix and match. You, you talk about Madden. We know that he mixes the lineup uh, up. We don't have the the exact roster, so we are kind of flying blind on this. But just your general sense of the two benches, and of course, how the managers deploy them. Who do you give a nod to at that end? Managers, it's a wash uh, with the you know with the with the Cubs. I give them a nod a little bit on the bench because you know they've got he's got the flexibility. He's got three catchers in this roster. Yes, he's got Montero. He's got Contreras that can play multiple positions. Uh, you know you can, and you look at Cleveland. Nobody else but Perez has received a pitch this postseason. No, no, that's he what I said. Caught, he's going to catch the entire time. Yeah, he's caught every pitch of the postseason. And then you've got so if you've got Ross up, you can pinch hit Ross with Contreras. And not have to burn two players. I mean, every now and sometimes you're like, I'm going to pinch hit, uh, you know, pinch hit a Michael Martinez to bring in my second game, you know, those types of things. So he's got Joe Madden's got an advantage with personnel on the bench, and that's and that's really that's what it comes down to: having a healthy team versus a team that's missing a couple of pieces. Absolutely, um, I I have a hard time kind of going against the uh, the bench of the Cubs between the two. I know that you know. Benches aren't necessarily going to be the deciding factor, but but you look at what they can have, and in a, in a game where maybe you start 
um, Ross or Montero, if you don't start Contreras, <laughs> Contreras as a bench bat is huge, you know. And even Soler, who I know is not doing a whole lot, you and know he can go. Yeah, they're trying to they're trying to find room for Schwarber on this roster it's too. It's going to be insane, dude. And that's probably why they could have entertained maybe trading him this this uh, past trade deadline. Of course, they didn't. They got away with not doing it, but they could have, and it wouldn't have necessarily, you know. Seriously hurt them. We'll see if maybe they entertain. But what are your something thoughts like on bringing back Schwarber? I mean, I'm personally against it because he's been away from everything for all. He got hurt in spring training, right? It was it very early in the season. It was very early in the season okay. in Arizona. Are they talking about bringing That's him right. back for the World Series? Yes. Yes. What? Oh They're my talking God. He's about in him the fall right now. Yeah, but he's, so he's getting his at bats. But my oh. my personal thoughts are. Why mess with this? I, I mean, agree. I agree. Because with you. if you use him, he's a bat, period. That's that's what you use him for. I mean, that's all he's going to be able to do versus why not just have Contreras be the DH? No, uh, I, I, and you, I agree. And you've got your two catchers. I personally am against it, but that's, they're talking about it. No, I, I, I'm, I'm going to side on that on that end, and I'm not, I'm not going to mess with it at this point right now. I thought you meant just talking about bringing him back next year um, as opposed to trading him. No, mm. it, I don't think that, that it's necessary. I don't, th- I don't see it being such an upgrade, especially you know, with him being essentially cold, you know, even get, going down getting some Arizona Fall League at-bats. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not worried about the chemistry of anything or, or, or anything like that. I'm just saying I don't know that he offers enough of an upgrade to really do that. I'm going to say no on Schwarber. Leave well enough alone. In fact... Cubs, if you're listening, and I'm sure you guys are, maybe you could just leave him in Arizona Fall League until, say, the 7th when Jason and I are gone. Well, that's why we would need him there to maybe get the one game on Friday. Yes, that's true. Because you only only get uh, two games a week, and we're not going to be there on a Tuesday at any point. So we need him to get in there because uh, so, I want to see Schwarber. So, yeah, I'm going to be selfish and say don't, don't bring him back. But, uh, yeah, the benches will be interesting. I do think that the Cubs have more potential damage uh, to be done with their bench uh, on any given game, even when they have the DH. All right, Jason, it's pick time then. Um, you know, breaking it all down, we have these teams pretty close. There's advantages for both. I think uh, if you're kind of doing a tally system, in the end, we probably both lean toward the Cubs, but not at such a margin to where I wouldn't see this being a close matchup. So who you got winning the World Series? I'm going to go with Cubs in six. They steal um, Cleveland steals game one against Leicester, and they get the game against Lackey, but they lose the others. It's really good. I, don't, I, I feel lame if I just copy that, but you really just, you really just nailed it there. Here's what I'm going to say. Seven. And part of it, yes, is because I'm hoping for seven because it would just be amazing. Not only are they going to they're going to win Kluber's game, that game one that you're talking about. I think Bauer's going to shock everyone. Come out, be chill, have a great game, take all the heat off that finger issue because you know it stopped being funny once they had to go to the bullpen game, and he's lucky they won that game, mm-hmm. or else no one would be laughing at it. But he's still kind of you know out of the doghouse, although he's in the he's in the backyard lingering around the doghouse. If he goes out again and they have to tax their entire bullpen, then all of a sudden I think we're going to start to see some backlash. But I think he's going to go the other way. I've never been a, a massive Bauer guy. I've liked his stuff, but I, I have a hard time getting behind what he does, uh, the frustration that he causes with his volatility. 
but I think he's going to go out, have a good good outing, so they're going to win those two games and the same one that you're talking about, the lacking game, which will be interesting because it'll either be Salazar or, or the bullpen, and they're going to push it to seven, and it'll be an epic seventh game, best World Series ever. Boom, nailed it. And here's, I don't want game seven because game seven starts at eight o'clock on November 2nd, which means it's not going to get over until close to midnight. I have a have 6 a.m. flight. I have a 6 I have an early one as flight well. to Phoenix. I do not want a game seven, which is part of the reason why I said Cubs and six. That's funny. We both said it for selfish reasons. (laughs) I wanted to see game seven and you wanted to be over. Um, I do have a super early flight as well. I think I have to leave out at seven. So, you know, I got similar issues there. I maybe shouldn't be cheering for game game seven myself. We will see how it goes. Um, Next week, TBD on a pod. No show. Not for me. No, I'm going to be in Philly for a wedding. The next time you and I are going to record, we'll be live. In Arizona. So Eno and I will do something next week, probably on Wednesday, and then um, then there'll be a little bit of a, a about a week off to that point because Eno and I will not be going the Wednesday the 2nd. So it's going to be a little bit lighter here. I'm considering maybe a, a, a late week pod, though, a guest episode, so stay tuned for that. I'll let you know more details. But Jason... Have a good one. Sorry your, your Washington club had to had to get uh, whooped. Well, not whooped, but heartbroken. Sucks to suck. Yeah, and <laughs> try not to suck. They need some try not to suck shirts. Enjoy the World Series. Enjoy New York, where you're currently at. And I will see you in a week and a half. Yes. Peace. Peace.